0: What is up, podcast listeners? This is Miguel, and I have two quick announcements before the podcast gets rolling. One, I'm going to start releasing original music again once a month on July 14th. And if you follow me for some time, I used to be with a band called Run With It, and the tracks I'll be releasing is actually a re-release of what Run With It did under my... Solo name. Uh, So again, make sure you go to my website, justthemiguel.com, follow on Spotify, or make sure you're following along on any other platform as well, because I will start dropping new music tracks, re-releases of Run With It stuff, July 14th with I Need a Light, and then after that, every month, another song from that EP, and I'm gearing up in the studio for the releases for 2022 as well. And then there'll be more information on that as, uh, as I have it. So, And then this next podcast uh, that you're listening to today actually inspired an event that is going to be happening. It's the first Live and Create live event. It's going to be happening Sunday, October 3rd at the Rhino in Kansas City. And it's going to be on the topic of mental wellness through storytelling. And when you listen to the podcast today, you'll hear where it's going because our main speaker is going to be the guest today, which is V-Tran. But yeah, let's get into the episode so you can see what he'll be talking about. What is up? I'm Miguel Antonio, and this is the Live and Create podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. On today's episode, we have V-Tran. V is a Vietnamese born actor, singer, musician, venue owner, curator, and wellness coach, and he probably does uh, like 15 other things because he's always creating new things. From performing in large stage productions to fronting the V Tran band, all the way to operating the Buffalo Room, V is a true artistic entrepreneur. And I personally would say one of the most notable things he's done is writing and producing his own musical, The Butcher Son. The Butcher Son is the true story of him and his family and him as a young boy as he was smuggled out of Vietnam, captured in Cambodia, and eventually finding themselves in a Red Cross refugee camp in Thailand. They eventually find their way to western Kansas, and I, the, the story is powerful. And whenever you get the opportunity, when, when things open back up and, and it can come back together again, I, I would say definitely go see that thing. In this podcast, we we talk about everything from from wagon wheel and don't stop believing and how they're important songs for a set <laughs> if you're in a cover band uh, and and all the way to the hustle and, and the story of V and how how he has navigated the pandemic. Uh, but we spend a good amount of time on this idea of archaeology of self. It's a it's a piece where V has been coaching people in the idea of wellness, and he unpacks what archaeology of self means. It's a it's a powerful episode. I think uh, it'll be incredibly helpful for you. Enjoy.
1: The Live and Create Podcast.
0: Well, that that really is probably a great place to start is uh, playing gigs together, you know, and and we we have both learned that there are certain songs that white people turn up on, you know, and, <laughs> and I always thought the only one was Don't Stop Believing. And anyone listening to this who's like, no way, like, just try it one time and you'll see people lose their minds. But then we're playing a gig. I was backing you up uh, private party and and you're like, hey, do you know Wagon Wheel? I'm, I had no idea at this point. And you're like watch this I can't remember exactly what you said, but you it, it changed the game as far as making people turn up
1: right yeah no I mean it, it was hot at the time and nobody needs to hear another cover of wagon wheel and yet they do the they people do want it right
0: yeah right anyone after like three coronas you well that's probably a bad choice of beer right now but but uh, <laughs> after three beers uh, your choice of light beer uh, yeah, yeah wagon wheel everyone wants to hear it they want to dance they want to groove to it right
1: yeah you know and and that's my thing i can be a snob about those kinds of covers or i can just lean into it you know and and i would rather play wagon wheel than free bird you know i would rather play wagon wheel (laughs) than even don't stop believing i'm totally fine with you doing don't stop (laughs) believing and i'll back you up on that but you know i have i have certain songs where i'm just like you know what I I get no joy out of playing this song I know that you do I know that you do uh not you playing it but like the the audience I was like I know it gives you joy but but there's like this uh this uh funpire meter like a funpire is like a vampire (laughs) that 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 you know sucks the fun out of fun pyre I love it fun you, you know <laughs> we have certain friends who are like hey oh my god he's a fun he walks into the room <laughs> and just sucks the fun out of the room sometimes like, I'm the fun sometimes uh, yeah. I'm the fun you know sometimes I've been guilty we of that are.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like depending yeah. on the mood when before I came to the party and, and depending on how much I drank, it's like now I'm the, yeah, fun pyre. I, yeah, I exactly. And well, like, and I think that that hits on a reality for what we do, you know? It's right. like we love music, we love this thing. You're an actor, you're a musician, all these things. But often we find ourselves uh, living out the idea that we're providing a service. It's like right. it's not... When we get on stage, we want it to be about us in a lot of ways, but in reality, it's not. It's like, how do we connect? And even down to the songs we love, right? The songs we we've poured over for, with our whole life story, whatever it is. Uh, but then, night after night after night after night, it can kind of feel stale to us. But then, how do yeah. we bring that service to the audience? It's, it's Absolutely. a, it's a big thing.
1: Well, and I think it's it's being, it's being honest with yourself. I mean. If you are there to connect, right? Whether that's with a cover gig, corporate gig, or your own original stuff, uh, the point is to connect, right? And so it's being honest with yourself about how much, um, how much you can give, and in what ways, and still remain authentic in your joy, right? right. Uh, for example, you know, let's let's quote. Hey, he recently passed Jim Steinman, uh, who did a lot of writing for Meatloaf. You know, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. You know, it's like, I'll play you Wagon Wheel, (laughs) but I just can't bring myself to play X song or this other song because that's like Sweet Home
0: Alabama is that for me. Right. 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 You know, as we went to K-State and it's an ag school and it got requested so many times you learned it. And but like I would I would just feel like I'd stab my eye out doing right. that song again at this well, point. Well, unless they also... tip like two hundred bucks, like I have a right. price. There's right. a price. know, three hundred.
1: It's like um, you know, and then there's the cognitive dissonance that that comes with being a Vietnamese American musician, right? Like like you, brother, you're you're passing white, so you oh, can yeah. pull off.
0: I pass white. Alabama, all... yeah. or, or
1: whatever, <laughs> you know. And, but for me, I'm just like, yo, dude, I'm a South Vietnamese dude. Uh, did you really just <laughs> request <laughs> skinner from me?
0: <laughs> like, Doesn't that seem weird. a little off to you?
1: <laughs> you're you're no, going to but...
0: unbutton your shirt to unveil your Confederate flag, you know, right. T-shirt that you wore to the show. And it's like, no, no. But no, I'm from that... the South,
1: but I'm from South <laughs> Vietnam, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <I'm... laughs>
0: well, I love how you, when we when we do like Ring of Fire or something. And, right. Uh, uh, which I I always fuck up the riff, but that's a whole other topic. Uh, but when we do Ring of Fire, I love how you call it out. You're like, bet you never thought you'd see a Vietnamese guy sing some Johnny Cash for you. But right, here we right. go.
1: <laughs> no, and so and when that happens, you know that's how you uh, how you can kind of catch those uh, those lobs from the audience, and then you pivot and you toss it back. Right. Love right. It. And so instead of allowing yourself to be heckled, you know. Uh, You catch it, and you lob it back, but in a way that isn't adversarial, right? Right. It's like, no, you don't have to go to a place of like, F you, oh my god, find some new material. I can't believe you just requested Firebird, uh, or Freebird. Um, Firebird would be a cool metal song. I'm sure there is a metal (laughs) song called Firebird. Um, I'm sure. It's got to be out there. You you requested Freebird. I'm not going to give you Freebird, but I'm going to give you something you didn't even know you needed, which was a Vietnamese man singing, you yeah. know, Ring of Fire,
0: <laughs> right? Like, My life has completely changed tonight. It has completely yeah. changed. We uh, got in a habit, the first band I was with, uh, oh man, well, we're, that was when we were playing in bands out in Manhattan, uh, the rest of us. The rest of the us. Band, and uh, we would, people would yell out covers that they wanted to hear us. And we'd, we'd be like, we don't know that one, but here's a B-side from the Skinnerd album whatever and then we play one of our songs and people are like what they just look really confused but we sound like we really knew the band it, it it was fun it was a fun time at least for us yeah. i don't know if for the person <laughs> requesting it or not but right. uh but well and it makes me think there was a, a night on stage for us where someone uh it, it was a pivotal moment for me because seeing how you handle things on stage where someone did heckle you and did heckle you with this thing that, I, they made like a Jackie Chan reference yep. or something like that. Do you remember yep. this night? Oh yeah. Um, and I felt like you handled it really well. Um, and and it was one of those pieces where I'm just used to laughing off hecklers. And right. and so I just kind of went in mode like, ha ha ha, whatever. But then for you, it, it was a very serious thing. And I, I learned a lot watching how you handled it. like where have you experienced those things uh like consistently playing and yeah what Um, has taught you to deal with it so well
1: so you know this is very in the moment with with the stop asian hate um hashtag going around and, and just this moment of reckoning that we're in in our country um and the doubters might say like oh surely it can't be that bad or or, oh my god I didn't realize it was that bad but um but yeah man even before the pandemic I mean you follow me on social so you may have seen it but like clockwork about every six weeks like that Jackie Chan moment that you experienced while we were on stage together that happens to me about every six weeks like clockwork just Uh, online
0: in person in online at the grocery
1: store at the at the gas station I will literally be minding my own business um in line to check out and I'll hear ching chong ching chong or Jackie Chan or yeah oh yeah oh yeah and then I'll have to um I will have to make a decision in the moment um whether or not, like you said, you know, and and I've been there myself uh, uh, throughout my life and my youth, you know, um, where do I decide to laugh it off? Do I decide to ignore it, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and just kind of uh, uh, just eat it? Um, But I have, taken on and i reserve the right to choose when i uh, to exercise this but i've taken on the 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 stewardship of you know what i can handle this in this moment mm-hmm. and i know that i have the ability to articulate and like we Talked about catching the heckling song requests, catching that lob, you know, right. in mid air and preempted it, back,
0: it already. Right? You know, like.
1: <laughs> right? Um, but in that same way, you know, we talk about teachable moments. Um, I'll catch that racial, you know, slur or that racial microaggression mid air. I'll mm-hmm. catch it and I'll throw it up into the air and try to transform it into something beautiful you know and so Mm -hmm. in that moment i know i'm not gonna reach drunk guy who yelled jackie chan at me but uh if i remember correctly my response was like no dude that's not cool you know exactly um you know that's not cool that's really not cool and he was like oh man i'm but i I was just i was just kidding you know you're a rock star i was like yeah i am a rock star but i'm not jackie chan and that's not funny and what i said to why i said that was not to him because he's drunk he may or may not get it in the moment but Mm -hmm. he might get it two weeks from now Or everyone in the room is now witness to that, witness Mm -hmm. to how I handled it. So now the next time they see something similar, they're going to have that memory in their brain and they may be like, oh, you know, that dude, that V-Tran rock star dude, you know. He was able to defend himself, but this person that I'm witnessing right now, they're not able to defend themselves. Now I need to step up. I need to step up and be brave in the moment and neutralize this situation on on this person's behalf, you know? And so I choose my battles. When I choose moments like that and to respond in that way, I'm not choosing it for the offender. I'm choosing it for everyone else in the room. Mm -hmm. Like take that, hold that. I'm going to plant that seed so that hopefully in a moment where someone else who can't defend themselves, um, that seed will then bloom in that moment so you can step up and be the person who protects, you know, the person uh, who's
0: vulnerable. That's huge, man. Having that perspective, too, uh, because one thing I've noticed in conversations recently, especially with the killings uh, from police officers of black men and, and talking to other black men, like the common theme is I am tired. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm just tired. I've I've had I've had friends share with me like I literally have no interest in talking to white people anymore because almost all of it is them educating one to one. Right. Uh, and it, and to me, it's this eye opener, even hearing you talk, where like in reality, you shouldn't have to be the one to defending that. Like like someone coming from a, a place of, of power, if you will. Like I like I said, I live my life as a white guy. Everyone sees me until you, you learn my name and I tell you I'm Puerto Rican. No one even really knows that <laughs> I have any kind of minority piece to me. And I, I learned that's a huge privilege and I've seen that. And now I'm seeing it's like as as my friends who are struggle with it? It's like I have. There's just I have this responsibility to speak up, and you even sharing that. It's like the people at the bar should be speaking up to where you don't feel that pressure anymore right. either. Because frankly, like you shouldn't have to. Like you right. shouldn't have to. Black people shouldn't have to. Asian people shouldn't have to. And and yeah, I, I think that's huge that you're willing to to put yourself out there to educate other people. And I can only imagine how tiring it is, and just from other conversations of people who have to live that every day as well.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and it is, it's exhausting brother. And, and my call to you and to anyone else who wants to be an ally is now, you know, right now, you know, right. there is, um there's a danger in being high functioning, whatever, you know, if you're a high functioning X or Y or Z uh, sometimes people assume, Oh, he's got it all together. You know, just because I, can handle that moment doesn't mean it's not exhausting. So so my call for allyship is if you're on stage with with me now that we've had this conversation in this context and that happens again, maybe you can can do a self check and be like, yo, man, I'm stepping in this time. So V can conserve his energy because I've seen him do it time and time again. You know, I I have heard his script. I know how to handle this situation now. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm going to step in and save him the trouble of doing that, right? Absolutely. So what I said what I said before about, you know, making it a teachable moment so that the next time uh, when someone else who is vulnerable is in that situation and and people can rise to the challenge, you can also do that to uh, for for your strong friends who are capable, but you know what? They they could you they could use uh you know, they could use a breather, right? Right.
0: Absolutely. Right? Well, and that's like for me, it even educated me where I I realized like it is a big deal. Whereas I was just kind of like, haha, whatever, you know, kind of move on. But then seeing like how it affected you and how it impacted you. And then w- once we got off stage, like seeing what that impact was, it's like, oh shit, this is some real things that, that need to be confronted. And uh, it sucks that it takes that for me and for other people. But I think until they know, like I said, now, now I know, now other people know. Hopefully more and more people are learning and seeing these things. And the high-functioning piece, like one of the friends I talked to, we're sitting there talking, he's, he's like retired military. He's like works a government job, like high-end, like leading other people. Like he's a high-functioning dude. And what he shared with me is like, I'm just tired. I'm absolutely yeah. tired because he's living it his whole damn life. And, and it's like, yeah, like you said, just because someone appears to be high-functioning, they can deal with it, that weight, every single day that you and other minorities deal with, I can only imagine how heavy right. it is. And so, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and being Asian American, and then also the, the, the legacy burden that comes with cultural expectations uh, where we're at and the, the harmful um, weight of the model minority myth, you know, and all of that stuff. Um, it's all, part of this this the system of of white supremacy that's divide and conquer you know have mm-hmm. the m- minorities fight against each other you know Absolutely. have the poor people fight against each other um and that's something that 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 i am trying to actively unlearn you know when we mm-hmm. talk about intersectionality and things like that um and i've been guilty of 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 saying and behaving in microaggressive ways, you know, and, and I try to hold space that we're all learning and growing Absolutely. and evolving. If, if we have the heart to say, you know, we are a common humanity and, and, um, get over our own, uh, selfishness, you know, it's like it, what I've started doing, especially in this moment in time is, is when someone tries to use my family's story um, and our relative success um, as a weapon against mm. other minorities, particularly black minorities. Like how look, literally- Look what they
0: did. Look what they right, did. Right. Look, look, yeah. yeah,
1: look at V, look at that. They bootstrapped themselves, <laughs> you know, not like those people. And we all know right. who those people are referring to. Yeah. And so now that's a moment, again, I choose to be like, yo, yeah, no, you do not get to weaponize my family's story you know, for your own latent prejudices and and bigotry, you know, Mm -hmm. because uh, and now I have the script. I literally have the script where I say, look, you know, um, without diminishing my family's achievements since we arrived in America, Mm -hmm. um, the narrative that we did it without help is false. And then we would not have been able to achieve what we achieved if not for the sacrifice and bravery and courage of the black civil rights movement that predated our arrival in the United States. There Mm -hmm. were systems and resources uh, in place for us to take advantage of that we did not earn Mm -hmm. as Vietnamese refugees. Those systems were in place. How? Because of the civil rights movement, because of black pain. So you do not get to take my family's story and weaponize it against black people. Mm Mm-hmm. And it can even
0: happen i see like even in my own family there's puerto ricans who will use the success that some of their family against other puerto ricans or other minorities and that that's been such an interesting thing for me to observe um and and like i said like how minorities pitted against each other where i i remember first time visiting a a family member who's puerto rican and the way he talked about mexicans i was like Whoa! I didn't know we were supposed to hate Mexicans. I, I wasn't sure that of this thing that, and, and then luckily that was over a decade ago. Luckily he has grown <laughs> past that and seen. But it's like everyone wants to continue to divide, to to divide, to divide. And how do right. you stick together? That's man, well, that's huge, man. And the script is a cool thing that you're talking about, like yeah. laying that out for people to confront. In a very specific way but i cut you off you're probably going into no, no, yeah. well, no no yeah well no no <laughs> no that's a good
1: good point i mean it's uh, the script is is as you continue because we're always learning as you continue to learn um just absorb that information and internalize it so that you're prepared you know for me because a lot of these talks are ex- uh, exhausting mm-hmm. they burn up a lot of energy whenever i have these kinds of conversations so right. as i learn and i figure out hey that was that was an articulate kind compassionate firm and strong um way to say that um i'll i'll add it to the quote unquote script you know um for those who are willing to listen and then there are those who aren't willing to listen and they just want to troll you on the internet and 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 mm-hmm. whatever and i just um i don't have time for that You know, and so I choose my battles and I choose not to engage in those battles. For some people, um, you know, if they have the stamina, if they want that to be their battlefront, then I say, awesome. Better (laughs) you than me. Right. Uh, Right. uh, Especially right now. I mean, I would say, hey, white allies, you know, yeah, go go fight the trolls on the Internet so I don't have to. You right,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. That's yeah. Using there's so many privilege. times where
0: where Jenny's like she'll see someone else post something, and she'll look at me like she already knows. She's like, "Do you want to do it? It's Saturday morning, and I know. Do you want to spend the rest of your Saturday doing this? And what's it going to amount to? What you know? It's like we have these conversations, but it's like every once in a while, I was like, Nah, fuck it, we're we're in. And then sometimes it's like I can't do this today. I don't have the emotional right. energy or, or mindset. But I I think it's it's such a good lesson though in what you're saying uh, to other people. Like I said, I I know I definitely walk in privilege in a lot of ways, and for those of us out there who do, to to learn those scripts, to learn these stories, and just stand the fuck up, and so that. Other people can rest because a lot of people are tired. And so thanks for for diving into that a little bit and sharing that story on there. Now you you do all sorts of things, man. You're, you're all over the place. I know this last year has been one hell of a year. Uh, in in probably a lot of negative sense, uh, seems like you've you found a way to still find a way to thrive in it. Um, what would you say uh, are some of the things you've learned about yourself during this last year? Maybe one or two things during this this pandemic and how it has affected you?
1: Oh man. Uh, You know, I'm going to be quite honest and say that (laughs) I don't know about thriving, uh, surviving. Yes. I don't know about thriving, but, but you know, that's all uh, a matter of semantics. Um, It's been, we've been able to hang on uh, just barely, but we also, uh, I can also recognize that, that others have it. Worse off, um, while still not falling into the trap of 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 trauma Olympics of being like, oh my god, <laughs> other people have it worse, so I can't feel this pain, you know, because right. that's unhealthy. Because your well. pain is
0: very real to you, <laughs> right? Right, you know, and
1: it's all it's always a spectrum, and I think that that's the big that's the big thing for me that has kept kept me afloat. I mean, I've spent a lot of a lot of uh, work in this time uh on self-care and wellness and and part of that was acknowledging that as difficult as these circumstances are uh being uh, having been completely self-employed as a performer and a venue owner um and losing all of those streams of revenue Mm -hmm. um that we still had a few safety nets before we hit catastrophe those safety nets are starting to fray a little bit, but it, yeah. um, but we had that, um, and at the core of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, we had our basic needs of food, shelter, etc., you know, um, but not much more than that, right. and so, um I had to rest, man. I had to rest by necessity. And um, that's exactly what I needed, you know? And um, in the grand scheme of things, that's what this year has taught me, it kind of taking taking a bird's eye view of everything. I wouldn't say that 2020 has been the most difficult year of my life. Mm-hmm. I can literally recall other years that were far harder for me personally, you know, you. I know that this is not true for others, and and, and you know, uh, I I ache for those people who have who have suffered great loss in this year. You know, and 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 I feel that as well, and I absorb that. But you know, for me, just going off the top of my head, I mean, uh, gosh, uh, 1996 was worse. Um, uh, 1998 was worse. Uh, 2003 was worse. 2017 was worse, <laughs>
0: <Gotcha>. <laughs> you know, and, and so I, there's I this uh, huge perspective for you looking. back, right. Like, like we're, we're still here. Uh, my loved ones are still here with me. I, right. You survived through it.
1: Right? right. Right. Um, and so taking stock and inhaling, inhaling in this moment, uh, where so many things were outside of the locus of my control. Mm-hmm. Um, where in the past, uh, the overfunctioning grinder on the hustle V would have tried to hulk smash through these walls and and obstacles. And um, I just had to to check in with myself and just be like, yo guys, we can't hulk smash through this. Yeah. you know, we literally can't, we do not have a fix for this. and we are only going to brutalize ourselves hmm. trying to find a fix for something that is so much, bigger um than any possible solutions we could come up with so we gotta rest we gotta rest right. and you know what we weren't living very healthy anyway um and so <laughs> and so this is
0: probably good for us you know well, and now, I, for uh, those listening you are a grinder man like I I was always challenging and encouraged uh, a lot of people would call me a hustler and getting out there and Anytime we have me is like, damn, this dude, you know, you'd have your clipboards, you'd have your your calendars, everything all lined up. I'm like, man, he is making shit happen.
1: <laughs> my spreadsheets, my set list spreadsheets for the cover gigs, even. Oh, yeah,
0: <laughs> like all of them. Yeah, when a musician says, I'll send you a spreadsheet, it's like, yeah, all right, this dude, he he's, he's doing some things.
1: <laughs> a dynamic spreadsheet that counts the minutes Uh, of each set list so we can in real time, click and track Uh, songs in and out and be like, okay, we need two more songs in this set list. We just killed three or we're, we're ahead. (laughs) So we can kill two and still make the 45 minutes. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I, I cry
0: tears. I cry tears of joy on this because I love that. I I love backing <laughs> you up because you knew where you wanted to go. There's a flexibility, but you knew where you wanted to go as well. Because, <clears throat> like, yeah, the way I would track things out, where it's like if a drummer would miss a a, a snare hit, I was, I'd be like after the show, hey, you missed the snare hit going into the bridge. Just reminder, <laughs> you know, it's like everything for me was tracked out as well. Right. So I I respect it and love it. So
1: no but but no that dude that version that part of me um that part of me uh is one of my greatest assets and he's also super super unhealthy (laughs) Mm. and so you know yeah i feel you
0: (laughs) on on my end as well (laughs) and
1: i know that a lot of uh, a lot of your guests have talked about wellness and and self-care um and that's Mm. really you know that makes sense because of the collective trauma that we've all gone through and and grief that we've all gone through this past year
0: well um, i think for folks wired a lot like a lot of the artists out there mm-hmm. who are who are pushing trying to build things uh, it is and i've said it so many times on the podcast as well i think it's it's almost been a blessing despite all the you know not to minimize how the hardships but the blessing at least for me and it sounds like for you is just being able to rest and learn what, what rest is, because I thought I knew what rest was, you know, the the four hours I'd give myself on a Sunday or something, <laughs> and and realizing like, no, like, cause I, I, I thought, oh, I'll push through in the beginning, but all I could find the energy to do is pour another glass of wine and smoke my clove cigarettes. Like, and right. I, I had never met that Miguel, I felt like, in, in trying to understand this Miguel, like, who is this Miguel? <laughs> but I right. learned I needed to, let go in a way
1: absolutely and for me it it came at a very interesting time because uh 2020 was gearing up to be uh huge man um yeah in march of 2020 uh our venue the buffalo room um we were on track for an all-time record of bookings we had over 30 bookings slated for march 2020 that's um, awesome. So more than than there were calendar days. I mean, we, were, <laughs> we had some we had some double headers on some days of shows booked. Um, we doubled our staff to to accommodate for that. Uh, right. So we 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 spent mm. January and February hiring and training to Damn. in anticipation of March. Um, okay. And then concurrently with that, I applied for and received the Charlotte Street Foundation Generative Performing Artist Award. Um, uh, based on the merits of my previous work and the promise of the new work that I had in store, mm-hmm. and that that award came with a um, a nice uh, cash prize, unrestricted. I could use it however I wanted. And nice. in my in my uh, jury presentation, I I said, hey, I, uh, I'm going to use these funds, you know, for a final push for The Butcher's Son, the folk musical about my family's escape from Vietnam. Final push for that to finally see um, who might our partners be to take this story national, right? To take right. this folk musical national. Um, fly out and have the meetings that I need to have, et cetera, et cetera. That was gonna be a portion of those funds. Uh, the other portion were gonna be other plays that, that, that uh, I wanted to write. And then finally, Um, the final portion of those funds were, uh, going to be for, um, my next, uh, singer songwriter record, uh, which, uh, I already had a theme and I've already got, I already had a lot of the album written before we released our last record. And I've just been sitting on these songs and, and I had probably another dozen, two dozen, uh, concepts, sketches ready to go. So taking the time to do, to do that song cycle and that song cycle was uh is is slated to be called latitude and they're all songs about a location and Mm -hmm. reconciliation right nice um and so all of that hit at once you know all of that hit at once and the mad scramble and adrenaline uh uh and stress of okay so we're gonna take a pause for four four weeks four weeks and we'll mm-hmm. be back. And okay, we'll make a playbook for when we come back for the venue and and this other. St- oh, okay. So that playbook's not gonna work. We gotta throw that playbook away. Okay, we'll write a new playbook. Okay, right. Okay, we gotta throw that. Away. Okay, we're live streaming. Oh, everybody's at home now and on Wi-Fi, and so the streams are laggy and weird. How do we do this? Um, and so that's when all of the different parts of myself, um, the producer side the artist side you know and then just like my core self you know we had to, we just had we had or we like production meeting production meeting everybody everybody in the room what's going on here and you know the the producer in me is like this live streaming sucks and this is not up to our professional <laughs> standards we do not have the gear to do this properly and the dog is barking and uh, you know and and like, the why artist is the like, dog there yeah shut and the dog they, up. And the artist is like, yeah, man, this is not it, man. This is like, you know, yeah, we're performing, but this is like Uncanny Valley, like early CGI. It almost looks human. We almost look like we're performing, but we're not. This, does, this feels weird, you know? And then the core human being in me is like, man, we feel terrible because no one can cross through the kitchen. We're live streaming from the kitchen, and everybody who lives here can't can't go use the They're microwave. like, bro, when's
0: your show over? I'm hungry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, right. You know, and so there was just mass chaos. Oh man. Um, and and also the artist in me was like, dude, promises were made. You know, hmm. we got this award to do the uh, new works. You know, and and we have an obligation to uphold. You know, uh, that that award that we got, and and right. all of these works, et cetera, et cetera. And then, the chorus part of me. Um, had to take the floor and say to everybody hey wait 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 wait. the new album was going to be called latitude can that latitude be for us Hmm. can we extend latitude and grace and self-compassion for us to do what we need to do in this moment which is survive that's powerful man because if we don't survive none of that happens none of those stories you know none of the responsibilities you know we cannot help others if if we um, if a we're a martyr to our own um, sense of obligation right right um,
0: you know, i I imagine at that point a lot of shoulders kind of relaxed and dropped uh, on the people hearing that.
1: I hope so. And that's what I want to give others who need to hear that mm-hmm. in this moment in time. And I'm not saying, you know, uh, this lollygag and shirk all of your responsibilities. No, it, it is it is it is releasing anything that is not your direct responsibility, giving yourself permission to just take a moment and be like, you know, this is the season that we're in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The season will pass. And when the next season comes, you can reevaluate. But in this season, maybe you just need to be a good husband or a good son or a good father um, or a good friend to yourself. Right. Right. Um, Before the work can continue.
0: And those are the things that I think, in general, carry carry us through everything else anyway. Like, I think that was. big learning for me it's like all these things that i didn't think i was neglecting because i i tried to schedule time in with the people that i value the most and 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 running around but in a way i see where it's like i still was neglecting them and i see where there's a quote i keep thinking about is busyness is a form of laziness uh from tim ferris and i just like doing things and i want to start a new thing and yet again more and more and so learning like even now my hope is going into. Uh, this new season of things opening up is like how do i discipline myself so that i'm not being busy for the sake of busyness and, that's and right that's right movement um and what what do you feel like you want to carry in to this next year for you as things begin to open up
1: uh very good boundaries and very good um archaeology of self it's a it's a coin uh, uh, it's a term that i coined for myself as part of my wellness through storytelling yeah um Uh, curriculum because I've been teaching these workshops uh, uh, and teaching participants how to use the fundamentals of storytelling um, as a self-examination tool. Um, In the archaeology of self, um, I kind of borrow inspiration from J.R.R. Tolkien you know uh who wrote the hobbit and lord of the rings mm-hmm. you know and he was a philologist and and a professor of languages and so he had invented these languages you know very like fully functioning uh uh languages for you know these different uh, yeah, elven races and dwarven races and um what i loved about his process was not that i'm a epic fantasy high fantasy author and i created these worlds no as a lover of languages he said well i discovered these languages they exist who who did they exist for hmm. you know and so he he crafted these stories through a sense of curiosity and archaeology of like i'm going to dig up and discover where these languages came from and what the histories of these people were right that's awesome <laughs> Right, right.
0: Incredible way to approach
1: it. Right. no idea. And, and so uh, that's something that I ho- have held on to in my process where it's like when I'm stuck as a writer, uh, and that can be, you know, any form of writing, whether that's narrative fiction or, or playwriting or, or songwriting, um, I say, I, I go into archaeologist archeolo- uh, ar- mode. I'm like, who was here? What was the story here? I need to hmm. investigate and be curious, right? Uh, and now I've taken those same tools and I have um, combined them with my own experience with cognitive behavioral therapy, going through cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and I see direct correlations um, to be able to kind of teach these concepts uh, of like, hey, look, we all have different parts of ourselves, you know? Um, parts of ourselves that have crystallized because of certain things that happen, right? Mm -hmm. And those parts of ourselves are evergreen, they're locked in the moment at which they were created. For example, a part of myself is Refugee V. Refugee V is three years old, he's in the refugee camps, he is in a constant state of alarm and insecurity, because he's starving, and he's in danger, Hmm. right? Mm-hmm. All other parts of myself, um, I would say their primary super objective as a character, if, if this were a story, their primary super objective is protect refugee V, right? So any threat to that defenseless child, real or perceived... will cause them to act out in a certain way and there's a 16 year old v um who watched his father start wasting away from liver disease and and he needed a transplant and uh, you know that version of myself held my dad's hand as he was delirious from the liver disease toxins and the meds that he was on and just how shattering and traumatic and grief-inducing that experience was because you know my dad was my hero and in many ways uh, you know our concept of God is our fathers you know Hmm. um Mm -hmm. and in that moment uh my God became fallible Hmm. you know what happens when your concept of a just all-powerful all-protecting God is weak and frail and wasting away in a hospital bed right. you know and so that 16 year old version of v put on all the weapons and the armors because he said we're we're on our own now y'all Damn. you know dad can't That's protect serious. us nobody can protect us you know so i need to take everything that i have and make sure that nobody hurts refugee v because dad can't protect us now no one can protect us now right man this is,
0: is a powerful way to walk through this but sorry right. continue no to no continue.
1: um but the thing is is all those parts of me are just parts of me they're not the whole and what we learn in theater as an actor what is your goal as an actor memorize your lines get off book that's what we say you know that we call it get off book you know because until the your lines are in your muscle memory in your body Right. You can't fully embody the character because you're fumbling over your lines You're you're trying to remember what your lines are. You have to go off book. Right. So it's in your bones. It's in your muscle memory. Well, the thing is, is these parts of ourselves, they're off book on a narrative that may be false or incomplete. Damn. And in literature, that's dramatic irony. You know, we see it in all of all of the stories and all of the movies and all of the books that we love. It's how we can root for a flawed hero or uh, an anti-hero or or even a complex villain. We're like, we root for them because they're like, oh, we know that they're flawed, you know, but 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 we want to see how this story plays out. We know, right. you know, we know as an audience their 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 self-delusions, their blind spots, et cetera, et cetera. We see the story as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. But within ourselves, these parts of us, they are, suffering from dramatic irony, right? These parts of ourselves that we react out of. Why when we're in a certain situation with a family member or with someone that we know and we have that same old fight, that right. same old fight that we've always had. My sister
0: had? and I, if we get in the room, sometimes we can still revisit same old things from years that's and we're because both grown in those, ass people. Yeah, you
1: know? <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry um, to interrupt, but yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Because in that moment, you're not you and her in this moment right now you're the versions of yourselves at 16 or 17 or 12. You're going back to that script, you're off book on that script, which has incomplete information, right?
0: And I've I've often heard about uh, moments of trauma and often uh, people will get stuck at the same emotional maturity level that they experienced that trauma. So that's why you can meet a 50 year old woman uh, who was traumatized at 13 And she may emotionally still deal with things like a 13-year-old. It's like they get stuck uh, in that narrative as as you're breaking it down. So an archaeology of self, is that what you call? Yeah, the
1: archaeology of self. Because now I am taking that same lens that I have Mm -hmm. as a storyteller, you know, and I can turn that magnifying glass on myself and be like, in this moment, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling it? Oh, I'm not feeling it. Refugee V is feeling it. I'm not feeling it. 16 year old V is feeling it, I need to have a a moment and chat with that version of myself, you know, for example, um, there's a very like like when I was in grind mode, you know, Mm. I literally had to tell like my stage manager, um, remind me to eat because I'll forget to
0: eat, right? I remember so, you actually yeah. talking about that. I think I've been in rooms where you've said that and it's like Right, this and dude well even at focused. gigs, <laughs> even at gigs, even at gigs, you know.
1: Uh, I'm sure you noticed. I would turn to Ben because, you know, Ben's my brother, Ben Byard, right. uh our mutual bandmate. What a band slut. Love it.
0: <laughs> Such a band love whore. <laughs> I love it.
1: I love you Ben. But um but you know, you'd uh, you'd see me offhandedly and we it wasn't a big deal, but I turned turned turn to him and it's like, "Hey, remind me to eat." During the next break, you know, because I'll forget, <laughs> I'll forget, right? Because I'm on that right. grind, right? Well, uh, you know, we we talk about uh, hangriness, right? When you when <laughs> someone gets hangry, oh, first world problems. But then with this self examination, this self archaeology, it's not a first world problem. It is refugee v literally hmm. in in spidey sense red alert um, food insecurity. I'm in the refugee camps. I don't know when my next meal is, right? Wow. And the self-trauma that producer V is putting refugee V in mm-hmm. was so brutal. Because now refugee V is like, are we in danger? Are we in danger? We have no food. Why aren't we eating? Right. right. And producer V is like, because we on that hustle. We on that hustle. And then 16-year-old V is so turning- producer
0: V. Wake the fuck up!
1: (laughs) Right, no, no, no. But the thing is, is 16-year-old V is weaponized, right? He was, uh, he's weaponized. He's not like, yo, V, you should eat. He's like, why the hell are you hurting us? I'm gonna Mm. hurt you. I'm gonna hurt you until you stop hurting us. Or I'm gonna lash out at whoever is closest to me. That might be Miguel, that might be Ben, that might be whoever is in the room because huge, refugee man. v is in pain and we want that pain to stop so we're going to lash out because producer v won't stop refugee v is in danger you know and so yes. and so in those moments and and i'm sure that you've been there at a gig where i kind of lose uh, lose my shit you know mm-hmm. and i have a moment um it's not because of anybody in the room it's because i was brutalizing myself without realizing it
0: Absolutely. That's huge, right? man. And I, I feel it like, because I can think of the times like anyone has ever been in a band with me. They've definitely seen some not so great sides of me because when I get in a certain mode, uh, not to excuse it, but it's just there's times where that lashing out comes. Um, but in reflection, usually I know in that moment, one, it wasn't the right choice to make. But two, it often didn't have to do with exactly what was happening in there, whether it's interpersonal or or like in my own head, in my own okay. heart. And but man, I love that. That is a powerful, powerful way to think of it. I got I have a run after this, so I imagine I'm going to be sitting there for <laughs> for my long run, just yeah. like chewing on that, like like looking through my own history and trying yeah. to understand that. Hopefully, people listening will take that same journey. Uh, the the archaeology of self. That's man, that is huge. Yeah. That is well, really and huge. I
1: want to leave with this note, and maybe this will will help you too, because you're a grinder like I'm a grinder. And the anecdotes that we just shared were like, man, producer V or producer Miguel, those guys are dicks. Those uh-huh. guys, you know, right? Jenny told but, me she
0: was like, she saw me once. She was like, I'd never right? want to work for you, as she's like. But hey, this is hey, not okay.
1: We're talking about self compassion, right? We're talking about seeing the whole, right? right. Uh, the whole picture, right? So, so check this. It's not producer V's fault either, because who is producer V? Producer V is the son of refugees who lost everything, who came to this country with the clothes on our backs and $20 that a missionary gave to us and who built from there, who worked in meat packing plants for, for terrible wages just so that we might have a fighting chance to choose our path in life, hmm. right? So Producer V is carrying the legacy burden of the kid, whose parents did not force him to get a conventional job, did not force him to go to law school or med school like all the other Asian, you know, students out there. The, the
0: refugee story of right, right. their study no. and my parents,
1: <laughs> My parents were gracious enough to say, hey, we didn't bring you over here to force you into a locked path. That's what would have happened to you, you know, from where where we came we brought you here so you said you could choose you know Mm. and you chose this path and so producer v says well i need to make good on their faith in me yeah and so producer v was carrying carrying they call it legacy burden Mm. the legacy burden of all the sacrifices you know and all of the privilege even though you know you might say well (laughs) he's a starving artist you know he doesn't have privilege but he he recognizes mom and dad slaughtered cows for how many hours so I could do what, you know? Right. So, you so could carve I better out your own
0: path. Right. And, and they so I better, yeah,
1: yeah, right. You know, but, but again, the wisdom, the wisdom of, of the, uh, of others to show us are incomplete narratives is I remember hmm. my mom came, came to visit once and, uh, I was uh, in the middle of tech week for a, for a play I was in. And tech week is when you add all of the other elements, the costumes, the lights, uh, you know, the sound. Um, and basically it's a black hole for like a week. You, you don't see anybody in the production because we're just in it. We're in the zone, right? Right. Um, and she was visiting and at, concurrently at the same time, I had uh, the honor of of being invited to uh, give a TED Talk uh, at uh, TEDx Wyandotte um uh and i chose to speak on the empathetic power of storytelling right (laughs) which you're you're getting a little glimpse of of what uh you know what i'm talking about when i say empathetic power of storytelling and 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 the power that we have as storytellers to 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 share stories and and share empathy build empathy but in the midst of that i'm in tech week for a play i've got a tech rehearsal for for the ted talk and to maximize our time together, mom's tagging along, you know, as I go to these things. And um, and so we run to the tech rehearsal for the TED Talk. We uh, I run back home to drop her off uh, before I go to rehearsal because that was going to be like three or four hours. And, you know, uh, it's a private rehearsal. Uh, and so I drop her off at home. And before I get back in my car, she grabs me. She's like, wait, wait, stop, stop, stop. Um, what are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean? I, I'm, going to, I'm going to my tech rehearsal. And she's like, no, no, what are you doing? Um, hmm. Because I don't know what that was that we were just at, which was the TED Talk, because Mama Trans <laughs> is like, know what I, a, don't
0: it, know. I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> my but, son's you know, speaking about something. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: like, like I, she doesn't know what a TED Talk is, right? Um, and she's like, I don't know what that was, but I could tell it was, you know, a big deal, an important deal that these people invited you to be a part of, um, and you weren't there. You were not there. you were at the next thing. Um, mm. And I don't know why you're living this way or why you're doing this to yourself, but if it's because of me, I want you to know you don't have to prove anything to me anymore mm. that's that's beautiful. <laughs> And this was like, this was after I wrote The Butcher's Son, you know, and this is after I had articulated my family story, her story, you know, Um, that was the lifting of that legacy burden that I had carried Hmm. for decades, right? She was like, no, you don't have to carry this weight, you know, we brought you here so that you could choose. You chose this and you did it. So please enjoy it. (laughs) <laughs> you know
0: she's like i because didn't it, want you to do it and then kill yourself i want right, you right, right. To well and celebrate it <laughs>
1: and then and then uh you know i get my storytelling abilities from her because uh, she turned on a dime she's like because if because if you're gonna be this miserable doing this then i take it back i want you to go to law school <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well man that's it's it's crazy because I, I have not done this archeology span work uh, in the way that you're describing it. I, I look forward now after this to do it, but I remember it was several years back and I was running, 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 going. I mean, I was like, I was on like the last gear you possibly could go. Mm-hmm. And I remember Jenny and I had a rare moment where we were just talking and I remember sharing with her, like, I keep asking myself why I'm doing this. And the only thing at the time, i could come up with is i just i felt guilty because i loved what i did so much that i felt like i had to work this hard because everyone didn't get to do the things i got to do and i don't know what where that piece fits in my history and it'll be interesting to dive into that uh for myself and actually get ready here soon start counseling again to go through and unpack a lot of things that'll be this archaeology of self is perfect timing for me (laughs) um but but man, that's that's a big piece of like why do you keep going for your mom to say that though. Whew. Right. I imagine. And it was sometimes, powerful.
1: yeah. Sometimes in the you know, in this self examination, you need others, you know. But mm-hmm. also you need to be ready to hear it too. Hmm. Right? You need to be ready to hear it too. And so I share that anecdote so that you also don't villainize yourself. Mm. Inappropriately, right? It's right. like, okay, like, like I'm examining all these different parts of myself. It's that part of myself. It's that guy's fault, <laughs> right? You know, no, like because that guy was trying to do something good too. You know, that part of you was trying to do something good too. Even the parts of us that that yeah, my therapist says uh it's an explanation, it's not an excuse, right? Mm. Um right. there are parts of us that have done wrong, right? There are parts of us that have made mistakes, right? Um, And we need to own up to those mistakes and we need to learn and grow from them. But but there are even parts of ourselves that when we examine and we're like, oh, God, I behaved badly in that way. And now I can see why it's an explanation. It's not an excuse. right? Right. So part of that is owning up to the mistakes that we've made. And then f- forgiving and 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 making amends, whether that's with others or with ourselves, you know. But at the end of the day, even the parts of ourselves that are are calcified and bitter uh, and in pain. And I'm going to be very careful here uh, because I don't want to to give the wrong impression. But I'm going to say this real quickly, and then I'll expand upon it. Um, Pain is a sign of love, not in a let other people inflict pain upon you sort of way or not uh, as uh, self-harm as as, you know, uh, you know, like I'm not talking about maladaptive behaviors. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that you look back, especially for me, when I get into a negative cognition spiral and I'm spiraling down and just like the world is shit and I am shit and I'm not no, I'm in pain. And what mm. is pain but but a physical and emotional and spiritual reminder that I want to be alive. Mm. I want to love myself. I want to love the world around me. And there are circumstances, whether in myself or the environment around me that is preventing myself from fully giving over to love, love of self, love of others. Right? right. And that's why I'm in pain, not because I hate myself or not mm-hmm. because I hate that person. <clears throat> it's because, you know, pain exists in this world. You know, uh, mm-hmm. we we should be granted a life. That is free from danger. That is outside of our control, but we're not granted a life free of discomfort. Right. right and so it's sitting in that discomfort uh, and then being able to determine is this discomfort or is this danger and mm-hmm. how is that going to how is that going to um, shape how i act and react in the world right, right. and am i going <clears throat> to act within my integrity right
0: absolutely well and that's it makes me think of like the opposite of love is indifference and right. it's like when I, I think of, you know, like when you see marriages, it's like when a marriage is over is when they no longer care. Like they're right. not hurting, they're not angry, they're not fighting, they just exist next to each other. And it's like, I've seen marriages like that. And that's when it's over. It's not when you're fighting and he- heated in the moment. It's that's when, you, like you said, it's like if you feel that anger or that pain or the, it's because you do care, but then you gotta figure out how what, what's the healthy thing to right. do with that to climb out of that because there's so many unhealthy things we, right we can go for so man yeah archaeology itself man that is that's big i think i'm glad you shared that on this i hope uh uh, a lot of people will be listening to us and connecting that. i like to say, I know I'm even, I, I have a 45 minute run uh, coming yeah. up <laughs> just after this, I'm gonna be chewing on that. Uh, and an hour has flown by. I feel like there, there's so many other directions I'd love to go, but maybe I'll just have to have you on uh, down the road. But I, I did wanna wrap up last two questions. And I think you've hit on these, these topics so much throughout this, uh, but the last two questions, live and create uh, right now, how would you define living a great life? I think uh,
1: we just touched upon it. For me, it's living a great life is living within your your integrity, right? Doing good, spreading good, protecting yourself, uh, but also knowing that, that in the short time that we have before we return to stardust you know whatever you believe metaphysically um is up to you but i know that at least in in this old bag of flesh and bones we have a finite time before we return to stardust and within that time you know um what will you leave behind and i'm not talking about immortality of ego i'm talking about you know, the lives that you affected, you know, and the ripples, however mm. big or small, you know, not, not quantifying in comparison to others, but just being able to to live with yourself, you know, I, as yeah. your life expires, you know, and did you live with integrity and, and, and honesty? Um, did you um, try to spread goodness uh, in your word and deed? So that's, that's living a great life to me
0: that's awesome and i know i see you live that out i like we we've literally known each other since high school which was uh, several years ago uh, for both of us <laughs> and uh i think that's something you do so well is build community and invest in other people like i anywhere i go throughout this city someone knows you and not just like oh yeah i know v it's it's a story of how you encourage them or help them or challenge them along the way and so you're, you're definitely living that out it's awesome man
1: Uh, Thank you. Sometimes I need to hear that because I just figure, like, (laughs) I'm this misanthropic grump.
0: (laughs) no man you really are and i know this is a dark way to say it uh but uh there's a gary v i talk about him all the time on this damn podcast people are probably sick of it but for him he's like when i get to end of my life like success for me is how many people show up to my funeral because i actually impacted their life and i can only imagine uh, a a long time from now (laughs) when that day comes for you like you said this this bag of bones goes away for you that it will be droves of people because of uh, of how impacted people and you've impacted me in in so many ways as well but you're definitely living that out man
1: well thank you thank you for that um you know that gift because uh you know self negging part of V says (laughs) what you know it's gonna be like my mom and my sister you know it's gonna be like seven people maybe they might zoom in at this point
0: No, definitely, man, uh, no, you, man. yeah, you've impacted so many and definitely uh, me as well. And even in this podcast, man, that the stuff you shared uh, so huge. And so last question, how would you define right now creating great things?
1: Oh, man, you know, with everything that we've talked about today, um, you know, we've we've traveled down quite some some fun for me uh, roads because I, I really, really enjoy talking about this stuff, um, you know as far as self-examination and storytelling. Um, But um, maybe just playing Wagon Wheel really well. (laughs) Playing wagon wheel and bringing joy to the crowds out there. I'm a cover musician, musician too, folks. I'm a cover musician. No, I have original works too. No, it's so funny because it's like, uh, yeah.
0: I love that you brought it full circle because we started right. on wagon wheel and we end on wagon wheel. Well, because
1: because you know, like um, life is a circle, right? It's a wheel. It's a wheel. It's the wheel of time. One of my favorite, my favorite uh, uh, fantasy series. Um, actually a lot of, uh, a lot of my wellness concepts I pull from there as well. Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan. Check it out, y'all.
0: Um, uh, but last question, how, how would you define, aside from Wagon Wheel and playing it, uh, even better, how would you define creating great things?
1: Creating great things, um, man, just go back to that childhood sense of curiosity, um, you mentioned in a, a previous podcast of, of how um, how someone in your youth said, don't quit your day job when they heard, overheard <laughs> you singing, you know? And I got right. that, too. I got that, too. Um, Brene Brown, in one of her books, uh, calls that uh, a creativity scar, you know? It's like all of us have these moments in our childhood where it's like, hey, draw a horse. Well, horses aren't blue. Horses aren't purple. You did it wrong, you know? And that child internalizes that. And says, Oh, I guess I'm not good at this. I'm not good at drawing horses or drawing right. at all or doing any, you know, and it's like, um I think for us to to keep that that childhood sense of play alive, right? Hmm. Um craft and technique are obviously important. The grind, right. the hustle, the hard work, that's important. That's part of it. Yeah. Right? That's part of it. Um but you know it's like we talk about the technique and the spreadsheets and and the entrepreneurship that's the math of it you know that's the math of it those are the formulas uh, that's the data the math doesn't lie but the english is is what is able to articulate that sense of magic you know mm-hmm. you combine the math and the english together and that's the alchemy of of a story that resonates within yourself and resonates with others and you need that childhood sense of play you know that child within you who has boundless imagination who mm-hmm. is not constrained by what um what the grown up world tells you is or isn't you know the the grown-up world that says uh you know don't quit your day job well guess what we made it our day job Boom, right <laughs> boom <laughs> but no um we're stewards of that we're stewards of that you know uh, it's like mama trans said you chose this now do it you know mm. and so we can now it. yeah and enjoy <laughs> it exactly so put that on put that on and and i hope that i can let the producer, whoever is cracking the whip behind the producer version of you, um, that dude, I hope that that you can, until you identify your mama Tran moment in that, uh, I hope that you can take my mama, my mama's words um, and apply it to yourself. It's like, hey, yeah, you know what? You don't have to feel guilty. Um, hmm. You don't have to feel guilty that you you're on this path. And I'll bring this up in closing, uh, just because I know a little bit of your history and you don't know, know a little bit of mine, but you know, as I was about to set forth into the world, you know, uh, cause my dad was a preacher. So I was a preacher's kid. You know, I was toying <laughs> around with maybe becoming like a youth minister or a music minister, which right. you ended up actually doing. Yeah, I right? was a minister for right, a long Right, right, <laughs> right. Um, and I remember this, 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 um, conversation that i had with with um a church mentor of mine and they're like oh no no we have youth ministers we have music ministers you know they're a dime a dozen what you have we don't have go out into the world and mm. do you do Kudos you to that guy yeah right
0: wow right because that's and rare like, unfortunately in my seasons in the church that that kind of thing wow Kudos right. to him. <laughs> and honestly
1: i don't even remember who it was Maybe it was Jesus. Maybe it was an angel. He just slipped right in and said. He slipped right in and was like, "Yo, dog. Yo, dog. Get out. Get out. Get (laughs) out, dog. Get out into the world." You know. But 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 they were like, "No."
0: (laughs) Sorry, I just had a a picture of Jesus on a pew in Western Kansas leaning over to Vietnamese V Tran and saying, "Bro, get the fuck out."
1: (laughs) No, but but like you know. I share that in that, that it's like, that's a calling too, you know? Um, We are called to do certain things. And, and again, I'm going to go back to seasons, right? Seasons change. All of us will have different seasons in our life. Even us artists and art entrepreneurs, there are times when our calling and our occupation are the same. And there are Mm -hmm. seasons where they might be separate but it doesn't invalidate our calling, right? Right. Um, we'll be that for the rest of our lives. Um, you know, sometimes there will be monetary security along with that. And sometimes the seasons may, may require us to have other occupations alongside it. But I know I'm a lifer. I know I'm going to be doing this till, you know, uh, I'm old and wrinkled, you know, yep. uh, until my last breath uh exhales i'm going to be telling stories whether through music or plays or the written word or just babbling incoherently you know (laughs) in in my depends um and i wager that you will be as well and so just knowing that long game um because well, you that's... know it, you know it physically. Yeah, I mean, Mr. Ultra, Mr. <laughs> Ultra Marathon. Yeah, yeah. But but it's the same. It's the same. And also knowing, because you have that training, knowing the difference between um, an aerobic pursuit versus an anaerobic pursuit.
0: Yeah, that's a great analogy, <laughs> right?
1: Um, because because this is not a sprint, mm-hmm. you know and we need to stay above oxygen deficit right because we need that oxygen to protect the physical body so that we can cast the magic right
0: that's awesome man (laughs) i love it because that's i'm doing a zone two run after this to work on the anaerobic (laughs) yeah that's that's hilarious and a great a great analogy with it, and that I, I love. Uh, ben Bayard tells a story often. Uh, our mutual bandmate, the band whore, um, it, he self coined that term just for anyone listening. <laughs> um, he, where someone told him, I think his first year of of uh, of college and studying to be in the theater, and someone said, "Listen, if you can see yourself doing anything else, right? Literally, you'll be happy doing anything else. Go and do it because you don't want to go down this path if you can." and I think that's the thing is like we've all knocked around long enough in life to figure out like no this is the direction i'm going and it even when the times are hard it's it's still it's like anything else the the best day on the everything else was was not compared to the shittiest day in these pursuits so it's yeah that's huge, man
1: so in that marathon give your yourself seasons of rest because just as uh, as the athlete you are understands there there are rest days and there are recovery days and there's muscle repair day, you know. Mm-hmm. So in those seasons that that maybe, you know, your occupation and your calling aren't the same, you're still actively you like like this past year, you know, I didn't release that album. I didn't, you know, <laughs> produce that play, et cetera, et cetera. I was um I was in the act of restoration. I was restoring myself. I was letting my muscles repair so that I would be ready when it was time again, when the season changed again.
0: Well, and it's it's funny because there's a guy, I can't remember his name right now, but he did, he was a professional triathlete already, but he did 50 Ironmans in 50 days, 50 consecutive days. And it annihilated his body, of course, and like he couldn't feel his fingers for six months afterwards. I mean, it it put him through hell. And, but he's getting ready to attempt a hundred in a hundred consecutive days, because he's insane. Uh, Like that's nuts. But what he learned in his training is he's actually doing less mileage to train for that because he realized he was already going into those 50 consecutive days tired and hurt. And so it set him up for, he he succeeded, but it set him up for a very, very painful success. And I found that really interesting and just seeing how important the rest is. The rest is where the growth actually happens when it comes to physical training, Uh, especially when you're doing lifting weights, like as you know as well. Um, Yeah, rest is so key, man. But uh, dude, thank you so much. Uh, One thing about, I'm gonna end it on wagon wheel again though. So I know you're (laughs) not a big fan like you're a fan of what it does for for the audience, right? <laughs> um, I'm actually a
1: fan of the song too. It's it's it's, it's okay. a mighty fine song. It's just it, it, it's just I don't need to ever hear it again. Um, as, true. as a listener,
0: I'll you sing know it, it internally. I guess I'll that's sing true it for too. you because <laughs> I was thinking about "Don't Stop Believing" was my eye roll song. Like we started right. playing it a long time ago because people would just go nuts. Like whenever we did cover shows. Uh, but then I, f- I was like somewhere along the way, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the lyrics and I fell in love with somehow these writers captured like the human experience. Right. In a, right. A three minute, and 40 second song or, you know, five minutes. It was a little, is you know, back in the 80s. But it, and I was just going to say, watch out. Uh, wagon wheel will sneak up on you. But apparently it did already. <laughs> so, but you're right. I never want to listen to it. It's just when I contemplate like the story that it's telling, I'm like, man, these dudes, they captured something. And obviously connected with so many people, but uh, let everyone know how they can connect with you and how they can find what you're up to because you're up to a a whole lot of things here in the future.
1: Yeah, absolutely, y'all. Um, I'm active in in theater in music and now also kind of in the wellness sphere as well. Um, and you can keep up to date with me on most social platforms, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at vtran music that's v-i-t-r-a-n music so find me on there and you'll be able to find news on my wellness workshops my storytelling workshops uh, and what's in the pipeline for my theater
0: and music work awesome man well thanks again awesome man thank you brother thank you for listening to the live and create podcast if you like what you heard make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review the live and create podcast